It's Tuesday, September the 29th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, more than one million COVID deaths and Armenia and Azerbaijan go at it. First, the world in brief. COVID-19 killed its millionth confirmed victim according to the grim tally kept by Johns Hopkins University. More than 33 million infections have now been recorded worldwide. America has the most recorded deaths, more than 200,000, followed by Brazil with more than 140,000. India now has more than 6 million cases, with its death toll breaching 95,000. Many European countries are struggling to contain a second wave of infections. Fighting intensified between troops sent by Azerbaijan and Armenia to Nagorno-Karabakh, a disputed part of Azerbaijan that is governed autonomously by its ethnic Armenian majority. Dozens of soldiers have died. Turkey is backing Azerbaijan. Russia, which favours Armenia, called for a ceasefire. The conflict is a hangover from the collapse of the Soviet Union, although a stalemate has largely prevailed since 1994. Global stocks rebounded after several turbulent weeks. In America, where declines in tech stocks have pulled down major indexes, the Dow Jones Industrial Average and S&P 500 both rose more than 1.8% in afternoon trade, with energy and financial companies among the strongest performers. European stocks also rallied. Sinacorp, a Chinese technology company that owns Weibo, a microblogging site, will go private in a deal valued at $2.6 billion. Sina listed on the Nasdaq Stock Exchange in 2000. Several other Chinese companies have delisted from American exchanges or have added secondary listings in Hong Kong or Shanghai as Sino-American relations have deteriorated. France's government presented a budget for 2021. The COVID-19 pandemic and lockdowns have blown a hole in the country's finances, with a projected deficit of 10.2% of GDP this year, a record in its recent history. The finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, plans to spend €42 billion, €49 billion of a recovery plan worth €100 billion next year. Uber won its licensing battle with London's Public Transport Authority. A court ruled that the ride-sharing company is a fit and proper operator after its license was removed first in 2017 on safety grounds, then again last November. Unregistered drivers had been posing as authorised ones. London's Mayor Sadiq Khan promised to monitor the company closely to ensure it maintains its standards. And Big Hit, the record label that houses BTS, a head-scratchingly popular K-pop boy band, priced its upcoming share offering at the top of its range, valuing the company at 4.8 trillion won, 4.1 billion dollars. The IPO is expected to be South Korea's biggest in three years and to net millions for Kim Tae-hyung and the rest of the boys. And now, here's today's agenda. What's the point? The first presidential debate. President Donald Trump hopes that tonight's televised debate with Joe Biden will help him gain ground. He is polling at an average of 43% versus 50% for his Democratic rival. Details of Mr. Trump's negligible federal income tax payments published in the New York Times may have hurt his ratings further.
But history suggests that debates rarely offer a boost. According to The Economist's analysis, since 1976, the average change in the incumbent party's poll rating from two weeks before the first debate to two weeks after the last one has been 0%. Since 1960, the lead has changed only once during debate season, in 2000, when George W. Bush briefly overtook Al Gore. Mr. Gore won the popular vote but lost in the Electoral College. Nonetheless, trends can be bucked. Mr. Trump must convince voters that he can do a better job in his second term. His problem is, many have already made up their minds. De Blasio gets a D in reopening. New York schools. New York City's public schools reopened today, sort of. Having postponed the restart twice and after the teachers' union threatened legal action and a strike, Bill de Blasio, the mayor, announced that the return of 1.1 million pupils would be staggered. Nearly half of schools have opted to continue with the remote learning introduced during lockdown, while the remaining 54% will use a mixture of remote and classroom learning, which requires additional teachers. The mayor appears to have underestimated the difficulty of reopening schools during a pandemic, particularly with the city 11,900 teachers short. Managing the return in such a huge and diverse district was bound to be difficult, but teachers, principals and parents have complained of a lack of preparation and mixed messages from New York's education department. With children yet to return to their desks and laptops, cases of COVID-19 have been reported at 100 schools, with 65 teachers among the infected. Warning signs, Germany and COVID-19. Compared with coronavirus hotspots like France or Spain, Germany's second wave looks moderate. New confirmed cases are running at around 1,500 per day. The decentralised health centres do a good job of contact tracing and mask wearing is now standard. Yet the caseload is creeping upwards, especially in cities like Berlin and Hamburg. This has spooked Angela Merkel, the Chancellor, who this afternoon will chair a meeting with the premiers of Germany's 16 states, who are largely responsible for preventive measures. As ever, they are pushing in different directions. Markus Söder, who runs Bavaria, wants to introduce a national traffic light system under which badly affected areas would be obliged to tighten restrictions. But some leaders of the relatively unscathed eastern states chafe against such suggestions. Mrs Merkel, meanwhile, has clearer priorities, keeping the economy humming and the schools open. Mass public events like football matches are lower down her list. Expect a lively discussion. From bad to worse, South Africa's economy. Even before COVID-19, South Africa was suffering a second recession in two years. The problems run deep. The jobless rate has been above 20% for more than 20 years and is now far worse. Today, South Africa is expected to report an unemployment rate of about 34%. Three million people are reckoned to have lost their jobs amid COVID-19 and the resulting lockdowns. About two million of these are women. Manual workers have been hit especially hard. The OECD, an intergovernmental think tank, estimates that this year South Africa's economy will contract by 11.5%, a faster rate of shrinkage than anywhere else for which it makes forecasts. Next year it reckons GDP will grow by just 1.5%.
Given the growth of the working age population, that may not be enough to stop unemployment from rising further. Meanwhile, the finance minister's plan to get the economy moving through structural reforms languishes in a political mire. More pain in store, British retailing. Anyone looking for evidence of a V-shaped recovery from the coronavirus-induced recession in Britain might well turn to retail sales. They were 4% higher in August than in February, the last month not blighted by the pandemic, according to the Office for National Statistics. But raw sales figures give a misleading impression of the health of Britain's high streets. Today, the British Retail Consortium, the sector's trade body, will provide a more wide-ranging update which is likely to make grim reading. Online spending, says the ONS, now makes up around one-quarter of total sales, up from about one-fifth before the lockdown. High street services such as restaurants and hairdressers have seen a smaller bounce back in demand. So far this year, more than 125,000 retail jobs have been lost and more than 13,000 shops have closed. With social distancing measures tightening, there is more bad news to come for the nation of shopkeepers. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Herman Melville, who died yesterday in 1891. It is better to fail in originality than to succeed in imitation. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.